Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Music. Music. Horror. Horror. Subculture. Subculture. And overall, overall badass. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Kettle, to Kettle Whistle, Whistle Radio. Radio. With your hosts, your host, Dave, Dave and Sean. And Sean. Producer, writer, and star. This is Jess Paul. Creative talent. She wants to get to know you. She'll tell you all about it. Dichotomy of horror. Nah, not really. Dichotomy of indie films tonight. We got Richard Bergen's Fang, as well as Benjamin T. Wilson Galatea. Produced by Jess Paul. Jess Paul appears in both films, and she's marketing director as well in both films. And she's going to tell us all about it. And, uh, stick by us, man. We got all kinds of good stuff coming. Uh, you're going to hear some Chem Lab tonight. You're going to hear Chem Lab interviewed very soon. Jared Lausch himself will be coming on. And tonight, I just hope you enjoy listening to an old friend, Jess Paul. Sean will be joining us. And I um, hope you guys are enjoying the apocalypse. I don't know. Things are kind of coming to a pinhead of doubt if that means anything my name's Meg Leachin and I'm listening to Kettle Whistle Radio thank you so much cheers Kim Lab Suicide Jag and now Jess Paul I realize how much my expressions lend to what I'm talking about and the tone that I try to set. So when I listen back to podcasts, I'm like, wow, uh, I, I wish people knew that I was telling a joke. I hope that they do. Uh, well, no, I get that. I, I totally understand that. I just did a, uh, a show with video with uh, Jay Asadi, one of our rap guys that we've had on. And he, um, same thing. It was a matter of misunderstanding each other unless we could see each other. And it worked out better that way. Yeah, yeah. it does. It so does. I... 
And I'm Italian. I talk, I talk with my hands. <laughs> Me too, dude. I actually had to condition my... Actually, you should just uh, start the podcast because we're just chatting as if we you went on there anyways. I'm going to do that right now because there's going to be a little intro before all this and we're getting okay. into it right now. Right now. Sean, are you there, Sean? I'm with you. Are you you're, <laughs> you're with us. Yeah, we're Skyping from afar and we have an old friend back here. We got to... There's so much I could say, but that'll be for another show. Right now, we're going to go with actress, producer, writer... And a star of This Is Jess Paul, we have Miss Jess Paul back on Kettle Whistle Radio. Welcome back, dear. It is so nice to hear your voice again, man. Thank you so much. I don't know what that means, but thank you. I mean, it's, you know, when I when I get in contact with you or some of my friends back home, it's like a, a leash to my entire history, you know, and it's a nice thing. Like, I like to be reminded of kind of where i came from you know well we appreciate that here absolutely sean sean is from here and he does not appreciate being here with me so (laughs) what (laughs) we found him he was a stray at the time and actually i think i was more stray than he was and he was kind of a changing of the guard when uh heather left just to introduce you i don't know i still feel like a stray oh stop it Oh, my goodness. But we have a ton to talk about here, and I'm just glad you guys could finally meet outside of the cyberspace window. Um, and, well, an earlier guest, Wendy Wygant, a friend of yours, yes, goes back some, I must say. It's nice to That's see right. her, her career That's how taken we know off, each other. And there it is, <laughs> the missing link. And you kind of are following her footsteps, would you say, or following your own? Actually, I mean... She was a great friend to me when I came out here. I have about a dozen gal friends that all moved here to do some level of producing and or acting. And to have those those girls, I mean, and, and there's a couple guys too that I know that um, are, are my friends and I got to meet up with as well. But, um, but she was one of them. She was one of the friends that I came out and I, and I talked to her and she was exactly six months ahead of me. She had come out, you know, six months before. I don't know when I found out that she was out there and we would both be in the same place. Like, I don't remember mm-hmm. like knowing exactly when that would be, but I did get in contact with her. And to be honest, we're closer friends now than we got to be back in Pittsburgh because when you're, when your pool of immediate confidence and like, uh, people that you that you care about that know where you're from it shrinks when you move across the country so when you when you remember those people that are your connection to what you're comfortable with uh finding just that common ground uh you, you keep them around it's it's pretty neat to have to have had like maybe 10 friends that i could go get coffee with or go get lunch with and say like what have you found out and you know, can you can you make me feel more at home? Can we, you know, feel like we're a community kind of thing? Well, it seems like uh, you're not just your own person here. You, you basically are a go-getter, and I hate using that term, but you went and found it. Um, you got this thing happening. My God, you got two films coming out we're going to talk about. And this I know, one, right? man, I, it, what's killing me is I, I cannot believe, okay, you've got, all right, well, all right, Lynn Lowry, for one, is uh-huh. in, in the film with, with you. Um, and, and she, now Sean, I'm sure you probably know she, uh, we're going back to, my God, there's so much we could say here. All right. So Lynn Lowry, uh, we're going back to Romero's The Crazies. Yeah. Okay. And of course, Cronenberg's Shivers. And you managed to get this woman in this film, Fang. Well, not me. I, I'm not the producer of Fang. I actually You're in just it. came in as an actor. Yeah. So 
and and I, I I really love to do the promotion of the film because it's what I do anyways with all of my films that I produce. So I'm I'm so excited to talk about it. So Lynn was so I couldn't believe how perfect she was for this role when I I acted with her for the first time because I've seen her face throughout my entire teen, you know, adolescence, Absolutely. when I would go to like the horror conventions, you know, what was the, the horror convention that was right in our town? Horror realm. Um, horror realm. Yep, right. Yep. You know, I must've, I must've like kind of passed by the table so many times, um, at, you know, knowing who she was and, you know, just being in a presence like that. She, she basically paved the way she helped. She was, and she was part of paving the way of like, what modern horror is today. So I, I remember the first scene that we had together. Um, she was playing this, you know, she was playing this motherly character. She was in the first scene that we had together. She was very upset uh, because she was confused and she was angry. I think she was, she had missed her medication and we were like five seconds to action. And I look her in the eyes for the first time like we we had to lock our eyes because we were speaking in, in the middle of like a conversation within the scene and she had like tears welled up in her eyes and i saw all this like legitimate hurt and pain and i'm like whoa when i believe what i'm looking at you know it, it, it's such i mean it should be obvious don't you think like when two actors are you know uh doing this work together we should believe each other and we should be we all should be like in the presence of great work but like when you when you <laughs> meet that level of professionalism ah oh, it was amazing that's cool it was to amazing hear. to work with her that is so cool to hear let's get i want to give the, the the listeners a taste of exactly just a real quick here uh, the fang this is richard bergen's uh mm -hmm. psychological thriller called fang after getting bitten by a rat in his apartment an autistic janitor starts to believe he's transforming into a giant rat. Uh, I have a lot of um, experience with autism uh, in my life, we'll say, people I've known, uh -huh. people I still know. Uh, it's a touchy subject, so you kind of, but it's also a very interesting well, subject. Right. Yes. Um, the uh, My director is actually autistic himself, so he kind of wanted to frame it from that point of view. He admitted he that, yes. He is a fantastic dude. Like, he is. Richard, he was the writer-director for this film, and... I've had so many cool conversations with him on on the subject of writing, of just the generalness of producing and creating really unique content to to basically develop your style and what you want to be known for. It, uh, and so this story, it's going to be interesting to kind of market. And I knew that from the beginning because it is it is actually coming from somebody with that experience at the same time um it's it it doesn't get it doesn't end pretty i won't give away too much about I think how you it ends you just did but, you just did. uh it's not a good look for anybody <laughs> and it all has to do with this combination of honestly sometimes with a, what a lot of people go through if if people are mm. impoverished if they go undiagnosed maybe have other uh mental illnesses that are accompanying you know the autism it, people could actually live these lives of delusion, drug overdose, and, uh, you know, it, it probably happens to more than we even consider that some people just kind of get left in the dust. So it is a story about that, if if I do speak yeah. for Richard. I'm sure he, he would agree. We, we, we wrote the, uh, the um, kind of pitch material together for all the marketing stuff. So I really got to 
experience like what my perception of this movie is and write it down. And then I kind of handed it over to Richard and said, is, is this all correct? Did I read your movie correctly? Because as an actor, you know, uh, I don't necessarily do movies. I mean, nobody's offered me big Hollywood bucks or anything, but I don't necessarily do movies that I don't believe in or I don't like because I genuinely like can't wrap my head around a character I'm not going to be good for the character. So if there's something like a project that comes across my desk that someone wants to cast me for, but I just don't get it. Mm -hmm. I I say that a lot. But um, when I read Fang, I was so pleasantly delighted because as you'll see, when you see it, this Mm -hmm. is coming out around Halloween time this same year. Like we're doing it during the pandemic. Um, There is going to be, actually, I don't know if I could say that because I don't think he's announced it. (laughs) What's that? Well, that there's there's going to be a premiere date in, in Chicago, but I don't. But we didn't announce it. That yet, would have so. been like my last question. So, <laughs> on this well, particular, I, that would have been my last question on this particular uh-huh. subject. But yeah. Well, I can say that it is coming out in Halloween, and we'll if you follow the Fang page, you will get all of that that information and the little bits to the mystery as we cool. <laughs> make sure to get everybody cool. at least in a cyber seat. Hopefully now, soon. Fang is starring Dylan Larey as Billy mm-hmm. Cochran. Lynn Lowry as Gina, his mother, and you, Jess Paul, as the lovely caregiver, Myra. Myra. Yeah, what's she's, Myra like? So Myra is, she's she's really sweet, and she basically is, she's Billy's kind of love interest and or confidant, like that's the only person who's really listening to him in his life, that would be... Um, Gina, his mother's caregiver character. So she's literally in the house. Like it's the only contact he really has with somebody that's, you know, outside this, this normal, like this, their normal of being incredibly impoverished. Like we, we did shoot in Chicago, probably like, probably one of the worst neighborhoods that you could possibly shoot in. Um, there was an actual crack house across the street. There's a lot of shooting (laughs) going on there right now. Right at the moment. Oh, yeah. Well, this was like back in January, but um, but it was it was pretty dangerous. And and it literally encompassed, you know, what like what this this guy was supposed to be living in, like in all actuality, like the character of Billy, he he has a basically a, a terrible ramshackle life. You know, he he goes home to a mother who's spiraling into um, a a Parkinson's uh, stage five. And that on top of so much, like he, he was having trouble at his job and had a terrible boss. Um, All these things combined were basically leading him to his own self-destruction. I mean, again, we won't, we won't give any spoilers on how it all does really go down, but uh, it's a, it's a visual roller coaster and as well as a psychological like theme park. It's great. Yeah, this one, um, yeah, honestly. All right, so yeah, Sean, we need your input here. Uh, Mom has symptoms of Parkinson's stage five. Billy has autistic tendencies and there's drug abuse. Sean, do you see any help, any hope or help for these people? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And I have to say, I, I, I feel. I, there's like three houses up from me. There's a crack house that I just found out about uh, in my neighborhood. And uh, the local, my local sort of neighborhood is all sort of talking about it right now. So 
Yeah. I had to learn the signs of a crack house. I never even thought about it before. And apparently it's it's people like running, like walking in and out at all times of the day and night oh, yeah. uh, of the front of a, a derelict, you know, house. Yep. And, and that's a crack house. I learned what a crack house was at, uh, you know, 29 years old. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, actually. <laughs> it's crazy. But Sean, yeah, seriously. Uh, so let's ask Sean. Where do you see this ending? We already she kind of gave away that it doesn't end happily, but there are several directions. Hey, this movie's all might, about it, it might have how. its ups at the end. Oh, I don't really? want to. <laughs> who yeah, knows? You guys gotta see. <laughs> Sean, what do you think? I don't want to. I don't want to try to anticipate spoiling the ending here, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, do, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> but so Richard Bergen, now you said his background. He did come forward and say he obviously. Has he's on the spectrum of autism? Uh-huh. Um, what was your relationship like before? Like before that, and what was it like working with him at the same time? You didn't know that beforehand, did you? Yeah, you I did. did. Okay, we we actually had a long a long dialogue. We met on Facebook. I I do this thing where. I accept everybody's random invitations and I, I start conversations with them. People like random people will, will add me. And if they're going to take up a space in my, in my account, then I want to know who they are. Right. Yeah. I (laughs) saw that. It's literally made in what I'm trying to do is to make connections with people instead of just like adding them and forgetting about them. Like, I mean, how many people are on your friends list that you barely remember who they are or never knew in the first place? Jess, I'm glad you said that because having the show now it's broadened the spectrum I, sean is laughing right now i can see sean and, and, like i will every I now and then because she did that to me the exact thing <laughs> oh do it she's talking about. explain yeah. you know, she's no like, joke jesse who are you i'm, How do I'm I transparent know you? about it like i i mean th- why not because i it, because it's like i will get like dozens of people doing this to me and and some of them are legitimate like friends of friends but most of them uh, are not. And they're just, you know, adding people willy nilly or somebody that they can chat up. And mm. a- the thing is, a lot of people happen to be like actually trying to network like I want to do. And so when I start the conversation, I have seen so many amazing reels. I've heard so many cool stories about like writer directors crafting their next their next film. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened with me and Richard. We started talking and he had a script and I sent him my reel because, you know, we're, we're talking industry. And so he liked my reel. Um, we talked about some of my earlier projects and this was the first feature that he wanted to make. I read it. I was so captured by the <laughs> some of the writing. Like I couldn't wait to say because it was just so, so wonderful. I like subtlety as an actor hmm. watching a film. I like quirky subtlety, like where you, you have this feeling of groundedness in any kind of film. We're talking horror. We're talking romance. We're talking Napoleon you know, Dynamite. indie drama. <laughs> like, I, I just want to believe that these people are real first. And then whatever happens after that is like accessory. And so I love the script because it was it was simple enough to understand. And I could also very visually understand the tone by the way that it was written. I didn't anticipate it looking as gorgeous as it as it ended up being. Have you seen some of the pictures, Dave? Oh, heck yeah. Um, that's exactly before I teased it. I wanted to ask you which pictures I could use. Uh, I think any of them. 
Okay. I mean, we're going to release some of those pages okay. uh, a little by little on the Facebook page. But if you look on the Facebook page, basically, you can release any of the ones we've posted already. Okay, cool. Or or some new ones. I mean, you can have some exclusive rights there. <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, that that's Fang. Uh, we'll get into this. This interview is double sided, actually triple sided. Um, going along before we started here too. Uh, one of the blurbs that you made on, we'll say the Jess Paul coming out video. You mentioned a uh -huh. thing called Promenade which I missed along the way. Can you explain? Oh, yeah? Can you explain? Yeah, I missed that. I, I try to keep up with you. It's very hard to keep a show and keep up with everyone. Just like I you know. said. Just Don't like worry. you said. I understand. You, 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 have, you literally know so many creative people, Dave. You must you must have like an entire catalog of just artist friends. I do, actually. But um, yeah, it comes and goes. Sean is meeting them uh, slowly. What do you think, Sean? You're meeting a lot of them. I I, I am, and they're all wonderful people. Oh, I'm so afraid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm purposefully keeping on mute because I have three dogs here. And oh, at cool. any moment, leap out and just start barking, and I, I don't want to ruin the don't want to ruin the interview. So. And, and no joke. Before Jess, like I think I was doing this five years before I had you on, and dogs were always part of the show anyway. So it's not a big deal. Oh yeah, not a big deal. You, you would stop. You would stop like halfway in between <laughs> the show to pet Jet to yeah. go out, have a oh, have a Jet yeah. pet sesh. Indeed, indeed. And Wendy had to deal with Teddy before that. Uh, he used to interrupt the interviews, but uh, yeah, oh. that goes back some. But yeah, so Sean, uh, are you okay with all these artists that we're getting to meet, including Miss Jess here? Yeah, I love it because I I just think it's wonderful to meet uh, you know people from all walks of life and uh, you know people that I admire, people that you know I may come to admire. You know. Yes, and, and he is um, one, Jess. He is an artist too. He's just hiding. <laughs> uh, Sean, I'm gonna I'm gonna like pour through your Insta, and then and then we'll I'll like get to know who you are probably after the in the interview. <laughs> Yeah, well, about the Insta. That's more of the hiding we'll talk about. He's not on socials too much. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. That's how I usually like learn who someone is. Like, what are you putting out there on the grid? What are you <laughs> what are you presenting about yourself? He's a mystery. I, I mean, that is I mean, how do we meet the people that we run into across the country, you know? <laughs> at a, um, at, for us Facebook it was or Instagram. At a ministry show. I really What you got, Sean? <laughs> what are you doing right now? I saw a finger. Okay. What am I? All right. What am I doing right now? Oh, yeah. So the dogs are they taking it easy? But back they to uh, yeah, Jess. Uh, promenade. So again, I missed that. And what did I miss there? It was so okay. Yeah. Promenade. Wow, you're the first person who said it right ever. <laughs> I took French, but I also say beaucoup instead of beaucoup just to annoy people. Well, this is the thing. Promenade. I named it promenade, but there's another word that is promenade. promenade. It's spelled exactly the same way, and but it's the noun. The, a promenade is a walkway yep. beside water, yep. and to promenade is to like yeah, take a dance. walk by the water. Five years of square dancing. Don't ask. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask. But uh, so basically, what it is, it was a four-minute kind of proof of concept film. All I wanted to do was was create a movie. I had been doing YouTube at that point for, you know, coming on to a decade, probably like seven years. I was an actor in a lot of, you know, cool indie films, yeah. uh, just dozens over the years. 
And but I had never really written and directed anything, even though I actually started like screenwriting even before I started auditioning for the acting roles. So I had actually technically been an act or a, a writer for longer. And I had a my first feature screenplay that I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Jesse's Girl. I finished. Oh, I remember yeah. <laughs> literally printing it out on my on my freshman year dorm printer so i remember so that's the only reason i remember that i was 19 when i finished it and well i guess i could look at the file number too but um i i finished this first feature screenplay by just basically reading scripts that i liked learning how to like all the conventions and all the rules of screenwriting and i mean the first version was garbage but since then, I've still even kind of kept up. I've modernized it. I punched it up. I kind of rewrote it to still have the same essence um, over the years because, like, 19, that was a decade ago. So um, so I'm still kind of <laughs> hanging in with this this movie. I'd like to produce it one day. And Promenade was a proof of concept and really a proof of, like, can I do this? Let's make it as easy as possible. Do one location, three actors, minimal crew, um, you know, Lighting that lends to dramatic, like I try to just plan everything. And like the only really cool thing, like you start with a location when you try to write for an indie film, use what you have. And this is kind of Mm -hmm. what I preach all the time. Like make a micro, make a less than five minute movie. That is perfect advice. At first. Yes. And like, and like, just see what you're like on set. See how you work with people. See what, you want maybe your style to be after five films, you start to see trends in your own, you know, Hmm. filmmaking, you start to, um, improve on things that you've done in the last movie. So whenever you do that, you create an entire full film that you can put in a film festival or put out online, get the feedback back, you know, actually ask people like, what do you think of this? Give me one thing that you don't like about this or more, you know, give me the notes. And then that's how you improve. If you don't want to pay for a class, if you don't want to, you know, go to school or, or buy a lot of expensive courses, just, just see what you do. Like, you know, you don't have to get the degree necessarily is, I mean, that's great for a lot of people. And I've worked with a lot of great people who have gone through some of the best, um, filmmaking programs, but also, you know, just make, make a less than five minute film. And I used my, my pole in my backyard. Um, (laughs) and I basically turned it into what looked like, or what I was going for to be a, a prom, you know, uh, hotel pool, you know, after, after the party was kind of dying down and and created that little tiny story to represent what's funny about it, um, because I, I call it a proof of concept, like I knew that the whole time, but I had actually had the first like lunch meeting with my cinematographer, uh, Ben Wilson, who I, I is the director of Galatea, which yep. we're going to talk about. Soon. Absolutely. Um, and and I'm like, yeah, I, I just want to. I I told him that the reason why I want to do this is just basically to know what I can do or what I'm like. Like I had never directed another actor before. I literally just wanted to see how it would go. And he, you know, he knew about my first script and he read this one. He goes, so this is like a, like a proof of concept to Jesse's girl. Right. (sighs) And I go, um, 
I didn't think of it that way, but I guess that I can basically kind of fan fiction my own characters and like put them in another scenario because in Jesse's Girl, it's a college movie. So I moved it down to like high school and like senior year and just tried to make this shrunken story around, again, the location that I had and just create a tiny conversation. And it did well. Like, I don't think it's perfect. Um, just because I mean, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was really just my first hand at trying and, and hoping that I would understand the mistakes that I would make and what I would want to improve upon. Um, but yeah, did you did you happen to, to catch it? Did you watch Promenade? I didn't. That's why I said I missed it. Sean, okay. I, I'm sure he missed it too. Again, he's new uh, with this. <laughs> I'm late to that game, and I, I, it's a one thing I missed, and I apologize. He uh, he needs to watch the coming out thing, and I think everybody kind of needs to watch that. That was a perfect, cute little. I hate cute, but it's per. It's just kind of perfect. No. I mean, I wore pink, like the whole that, thing. All right, that pink. part was cute. That's what I mean, <laughs> aesthetically. Uh, Content-wise, I think everybody needs to watch it. Uh, how do they – it's only on Facebook, YouTube? Come. It's on YouTube. Um, yeah, but that's basically where I talked about Promenade because I don't think I mentioned in that whole scenario that I was just describing that it's an LGBT movie. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of always my way to – Oh man, I I never I never spoke about it off of a script or just a camera. Right. But yeah, um, I don't think I have. Not that I can remember. But yeah, it was kind of my way of wanting to, like, express my bisexuality, but not because I I didn't know how to meet girls or talk to girls. So I wrote this thing that was kind of my. <laughs> to say fantasy is is a lot. Like that's that's that's. that's Layering on like a thick piece of imagery. That's a whole but other I, Jess, I, I Jess, really That's a whole other show we're gonna do. You know that. <laughs> but basically, um, yeah, uh, it, that was that was my first kind of foray. You know, Jesse's girl was into into kind of just discovering my sexuality and and representing it in a way that I had control over, even though you know I was still kind of shy about it all. You know, in my teens and early twenties. I didn't, not that I necessarily thought it was going to be a huge problem in my life. Everybody Mm. has always shown a lot of compassion towards things like that in my family. Like I wouldn't have expected anybody to to have that much of a problem. But then again, you never know. You never know where someone draws the line or what they believe in behind closed doors or what they're not saying to people. So it was, it's always a little bit anxious, even if you're really close to somebody to, to make an announcement like that, what, how they're going to take it. And if they look at you the same. Can't even imagine. And I have watched people go through it. So yeah, I can't imagine. Um, now this is where we ask Sean. So Sean, what do you think? I'm just kidding. Um, honestly, um, I I wanted Sean to give me something more on Fang before we do a little transition and a break. But after all that, um, I just want to commend you on your bravery. That was. Uh, oh, I I, I know I know you don't look at it that, that way. Me, but the thing is, the thing is, what I I feel like I have to respond with is like I feel what I did wasn't like it wasn't a difficult thing because there were decades of people who like who like made this easy for me. Like it, it, I wasn't that scared to make a video like that. It was the video of the week. Like it was a story time video. We, I spun my wheel and we landed on story time and I'm like, well, 
I guess I could tell my coming out story. It wasn't supposed to be that big of a deal. Uh, the only thing was that was going to be changing, I guess, is that just any random person in my life that didn't happen to know that piece of information, now it's like part of their file for me. You know, I have like a couple thousand, a few thousand Facebook uh, friends and, mm. and, uh, accumulative like 30,000 followers on my social medias. Uh, but it doesn't always come up in conversation if you're not talking right. about it. And a lot of the time, even though my show is kind of about myself, it, it, it's like, I, I was never the type of person to force it onto somebody and, and open that conversation when it wasn't relevant. I just think that's a little gross. And, and I like to keep some things personal enough. Not that I'm, you know, I, I don't not want to talk about it because, you know, it's it's helpful, I think, to people to hear other people speak of their experiences in LGBT, even if they're it's very subtle, in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. I believe that I'm one of the people that had it easy. Like, I really, I mean, though I wasn't explicit, like I said, in like flying with the flag on, on the back of my bike or anything, like a rainbow flag trail, um, <laughs> I... I still didn't ever really uh, experience any backlash because I I luckily I luckily live in a time where so many have have made it acceptable and made it like publicly and and very um, openly kind of both tolerated yeah. and celebrated. On that note, like, like um, a year, like, I can, uh, Sean may be able to relate, but I can definitely relate. Uh, I have people, you know, that are, you know, in their 50s and older now, uh, uh, pretty much contemporaries. And what they went through, they, they some people, sadly, still can't admit to their families. Even in that, you know, that older age, they yeah. could, their parents died without them knowing who they really were. Wow. And that's yeah. So I do commend you for that. And that's why I do. I've seen the experience. Sean, how, talk to me, baby. What's going on? <laughs> well, I don't know if you know this, but my youngest brother is gay, and uh, that's a bit different than being bisexual. But, oh, totally. Uh, you know, I remember his coming out to both me and my wife, and also then to my mom, and then eventually, years later, to my father. And, you know, um, my father... Uh, he accepted it like we everybody was afraid like how is he going to accept this oh, you know? really? and, and it was hey Ryan I know I've always known and I love you and there's no need to, to you wow. know yeah so it, it was a it was actually a really really good story and um to be to be honest with you um I have a uh I have a um I have another cousin that sings opera and um, he's also an esthetician, but he, he sings opera in San Francisco, and, and he's also gay. And, uh, you know, I have other members of my family, too. So it's something very close to me. And I was telling Dave actually before this interview that I, you know, at one point in my life 20 years ago, dated a girl that was bisexual, which, you know, was unique for me, a unique situation. But um, Well, the thing is, I, I'm curious what other people kind of perceived to that description because the, one of the reasons that I never really uh, shoved it in anyone's faces was because um, I, I, I didn't want to invite any of that kind of attention in the way that like there's a, there's a stereotype, one that I felt that I didn't always fit with that like bi people <laughs> just want to sleep with everybody or just very promiscuous or whatever. I, I think that's the perception that sometimes comes 
comes to someone's I, I think you're right. Uh, I think mind. you're right about that. But the thing is, what's very interesting, and, and why I do I did want to put it on YouTube, is that I, I could talk about YouTube forever. It's got its pitfalls, but I, I, I believe it's one of the greatest inventions of my generation. If it weren't for YouTube, I wouldn't know you, Dave. You were, would have been my neighbor forever, <laughs> but I wouldn't have known you because I would have never, oh like, kind of gone for my, my dream of, of wanting to be a performer. Like, I was never going to become an actor again after I quitted in high school. I... It was it was when, you know, I got onto YouTube that I realized I didn't have to answer to people that, you know, wanted to like either take advantage of me or just like just never get anywhere with with what I wanted to do. And I, I'm like, wow, so people actually like want to watch this. So, yeah, uh, YouTube is very important. And, and I saw a lot of people kind of putting their story out there and documenting it. And it made me feel a little bit more included in watching some some of these people's stories, because, you know, you're not only one thing, you're not only gay when you come out, you're gay and you're you. You have your own preferences. You have your own perceptions on, on what your like sexuality should be or what a relationship should be. Hmm. So, so I mean, when you meet one person of a sexuality, I'm sure that, and, and again, I, I, I've seen, I've heard of so many personalities and, and heard so many stories uh, on, on YouTube that you can learn like, there are people that share the kind of traits that you do, but just like everybody else, uh, everybody's kind of different. Indeed. Indeed. Well put, both of you. Um, well, we're going to take a break here because uh, we really got into it, Jess. Um, we would. Yeah, I knew we would too. All right, uh, Sean, in closing, anything else you got before we take a little break? I'm good. Are you sure? As the puppies, he's worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm he's trying to prevent the puppies. the puppies from speaking too much, but <laughs> All right. you, you can maybe see them down here in the video. There they are. <laughs> oh, All right, hey. fantastic. Folks, friends and fiends, thanks for listening. We'll get right back with the second half here with Jess Paul. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you. This is Carrie Means, the voice of Frylock, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Hmm. I'm not afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Alright, now for some new blood. Noise aside. Lifeless.
play in a band called Godzillionaire. And guess what? Um, in our upcoming live shows, if that should ever happen or not happen, it will be with the help of musicians from a band from Lawrence, Kansas called the Blood Daubers. And you should look them up or I'll fly a plane into an embassy building. It would be nice if you said Kettle Whistle Radio somewhere, too. You know what? You know, what? You, you know the reason why you're listening? to Kettle Whistle Radio and they fucking rule. Fuck you. Unless, uh, whatever. Oh, we should have them I, I appreciate that, Cody. Thank you. Somebody else who doesn't threaten the embassy building. Call back. Did I say that? When is when is there better been a better time to threaten an embassy building? I, I feel like you know. Oh, like, Tear down your local statue. Casting, bro. Like you might actually fly under the radar. <laughs> At this point, God you might. It. It just God damn it. Did I say that? Welcome back, folks, friends, and fiends to Kettle Whistle Radio. We're here with Jess Paul, and we're about to talk about her new film, Galatea. Nice. By Benjamin T. Wilson, correct, Miss Jess? Yes. All right. And produced by Jess Paul. Yeah. All right. We, we basically came in it at, like, in the very beginning, he invited me to... Did I audition? Uh, no, I don't. No, I didn't audition for Galatea. Uh, we we first worked together on a Funny Man. I don't know if you you've seen that one, Dave. Or, or I have been it. looking for it and I can't find it. How do I get it? That was one of my <laughs> questions at the end. I'll pay for it, man. Oh, you don't have to. It's it's streaming free. It's on my you website. Too. I have a I, actually. If you ever want to see any movie of mine that exists yeah. in like on the internet, yes, you can go to justpaul.net slash videos and that they're my films um promenades on there uh, you know streaming free immaculate reception the sundance film i was in 2014 and uh and anything you that i have available and then you can watch the show uh this is just paul on youtube now sean see that was an imaginative ploy to get her to say everything that i didn't want to say yeah that's how that works real quick this next film okay by Brian T. I'm sorry, Benjamin T. Wilson. I almost said the guy from freaking Beach Boys. In this in this quirky, music-filled adventure, a timid voice actress agrees to help a socially isolated genius build himself a friend. That alone, I thought Sean would love that. It's so whimsical. It is so much fun. Uh, to be honest, like it's it's fun promoting these two movies at the same time because there's like this dichotomy of work. Like Fang is this gorgeous but harrowing and violent, uh, <laughs> you know, horror movie, and then Galatea is this colorful uh, indie rock, uh, you it. know, like uh, friendship romance. Kettle Whistle Radio material. I thought Sean, I gave him uh, a flip up which one he'd rather talk about and didn't hear from much because they both sound enticing. But this one in particular has his number because he's more of a sci-fi guy. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting there in the dark and he's scaring me. I I am, but I'm curious about the music in in the movie. You said indie rock. Is it is it? All mostly indie rock and yeah, it, we're talking is, indie rock. You probably have never heard of them. Maybe except for um, 
there's there's one from a mild wild and then i just listened for the first time in a long time uh a one of the other songs that i absolutely love um that we that we have in our movie it's called for the masses by meeting of important people and it plays during one of my favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys ever heard of uh, Meeting of Important People. They're kind of they're, uh, they're Jess, kind of known in Pittsburgh. There's a good bet that Sean is writing that down right now. Yeah, I, I am. I definitely <laughs> want to go check them out. And uh, any any new music, whether it's you know during the interview or, or or outside of the interview, if you could share with us, we definitely want to hear what you're listening to and and be able to be introduced to new things. So, yeah. If you want to know what I'm listening to, a fun way that I, I clue people into like some of my favorite bands on this is just Paul. I spin on rec radio every once in a while on my little game show wheel. If, if anybody is confused out there, my show, <laughs> this is just Paul is basically me taking a 12 sided wheel that I like a game show wheel that I spin I and that. we I do a different co- yeah. topic every single week. Because one of the reasons I did rec radio for five years, and it's really the thing and what I meant by that whole like, you know, I love YouTube speech is that it it enabled me to create something and to know that I could be a performer if I just kind of did it myself. So um, I, I've done a series so far that is roasting my favorite bands. I call it band superlatives. I've done a top 50 favorite bands as well as a classic rock version <laughs> where I basically take the most famous bands and boil them down to like an insult. <laughs> but <laughs> but they're, they're really bands that I love. But it's like what you would think of this band at first glance if you didn't know much about them. Like what what they're known for, what their, their tagline is like for velvet underground. (laughs) My superlative was that, um, every song sounds like they wrote it in the green room before a show, like 10 minutes before they were supposed to go on. Like, you know, just, just break down bands that I love so much. But like, that's think rough. of like the, that's, the that's worst rough. parts about them. That's kind of rough. I know that's going to piss some people off, but I hate to say this. I agree with you on that. <laughs> I do. Well, the thing is, I'm coming from a place of love. You couldn't Sean. create the superlatives unless you like were pretty intimate with the band that you could like pick at their their uh, their flaws. Yes. Any input there, Sean? <laughs> You're laughing at the Velvet Underground. I I, I just want to check out. I, I definitely want to check out one of these shows, so I'm I'm going to be digging in on this. Yeah, you got. I'll give you, you. I'll give you guys a playlist. You can watch all of my stuff. Yeah, you got a new troll right there. I'll be on. <laughs> Good stuff, man. All right, so this film, Galatea. 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 <laughs> all right, so Kim, Kim Kim is played by Jess Paul, Jess by Russell Hawkins. That could throw you off. Jesse, yeah. Jesse. Dr. Mooney, Mark Stevenson. And then there's Galatea, Galatea, by you as well as an AI. You're an AI as well as yourself yeah. in this film. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. I I literally, I wasn't really quite sure that I, how I was supposed to do this because you really try to invent a somewhat realistic, like I always try my damnedest to go for like, 
you know, a realistic sensibility, even if it's in a quirky, cartoony setting. Like, if you could convince people again, like, that that you are this person, um, you want to, like, deliver the best version of that possible. And I had to kind of create or imagine. I've had a lot of, you know, like, predecessors before me who who did characters like this. But you had, I had to be something that I've never heard of, which was an AI that also has emotional intelligence. Like, basically, if you wanted to play an AI, your best bet is to kind of make yourself sound unsympathetic. Yeah. You know, like you didn't, uh, you, you weren't understanding the consequences of, of bad things that could happen. Like me every but, day. <laughs> But Galatea is actually the opposite of that. She only knows emotions. She only knows feelings. And so she's just like, if you could imagine her as the AI, I imagine her like just this map of endorphins, like just in synapses, just lighting up, hmm. you know, her experiencing senses and not really knowing what they mean, just kind of feeling. So I had to cr- turn that into a person. And I was really hoping... I still do really hope that it comes across as a, a believable character. I guess everybody can tell me uh, because I, I sure don't know. <laughs> it sounds like you were made to play that role, to tell you the truth. I can't wait to see that. So are there scenes where you play against yourself? Do we see this? I, yeah, okay. uh, a little bit, a little bit. It's There were some pretty cool ways and maybe uh, – I don't know if Ben will ever like release his secret of like how we did this one really cool shot. Um, it was simple, but it was very effective, uh, that I basically got to face off with myself, um, in one of the scenes for a very short amount of time. But, uh, Kim did talk to Galatea. So Sean, thoughts. Yeah. I was going to say in the, in the film, is it like almost like a doppelganger of yourself or is it, um, or is it more of like a, is there any special effects sort of involved with like a, you know, I think of other, you know, films with AI in them and it's almost like a, you know, a hologram of sorts, but. No, I mean, that's the big mystery. Actually, I don't think I'll give that answer away because it does say a lot about the mystery of like what actually happened in the film. But yeah, um, let's let me say this. If an AI is in a computer but wants to walk around, like what would she do? That's that's what I'll give you. (laughs) All right. I like that. Like she's going to figure out a way. And that's Galatea. I don't know if Sean knows this, but I I, I picked up on this. Um, there's half the cast are robots. Half the cats are casts are robots. Yeah, there's a lot of robots uh, personalities hmm. in this movie. Evil? Any evil? Or just emotionless? Well, actually, that's that's something that you're going to want to figure out for yourself too. <laughs> like like when like say these robots. Like, they don't necessarily, you know, believe in a higher God or anything. So are they evil by the actions that they may commit? Like, do they live by our laws as robots, as AI? Like, like what's evil when it comes to a synthetic brain and no mm. bad intentions? But very very insect. Possibly- very insect brain. Which always, in, I, I've always been intrigued by the insect brain. Because, yeah, it's not evil. It's just survival. So yes, it's revival. Did you ever see Ex Machina? I did. Uh, it's been a while. Sean might 
be more up to no. Yeah. Oh, you didn't. No. Oh man, no, I thought no. that was up right no. up your alley. Okay. You should see it. It's fantastic. I agree. It, yeah. I we you know I I actually don't know. I think no, I don't I, know if it came out. Um, after Ben wrote Galatea, but we eventually did see it because it it it, it was a uh, a pretty uh, I think it was highly acclaimed. I really yeah liked it was it. it really was um, yeah it was a really great movie and it 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 had you questioning that same question that you kind of just posed like what would a robot do if you were testing it like what what would its next step be if it was a higher intelligence that was using what it knew or what it was fed or how it was designed to survive. And uh, I won't spoil Ex Machina or anything, <laughs> but robot brains, like I said, kind of don't have uh, an idea of consequence. Right. They don't have a religion. They don't um, They don't live by our, our rules, uh, it, but they're very human-like. So what would they do in the situations that they're put in? So Galatea was sort of an exploration of that. And again, with kind of tweaks that we had never heard before that we wanted to put, I say we like I wrote it. I didn't. <laughs> I just I just am so close to the story at this point. I'm like, what are we trying to say with this movie? But um, but it, we, we like the movie is trying to kind of pose its own questions. I mean, and yeah, actually, um, it doesn't really I, I, even draw that many. I mean, it does draw solutions, I would guess, like you would form your own. But yeah, but like uh, like Benjamin T. Wilson, director, again, what he says, and I wanted to quote him before you, you jumped right in okay. on that. and It was perfect. But uh, yeah, Galatea is ultimately a story about loneliness and connection. Uh, Sean, are you listening? And answers the question, does anyone else even want me around? Now I'm going to, that's end of quotes, not unlike a certain film I love, Donnie Darko, where is life better without me? Like, is is there a line between those two things? Sean, any Ooh. input on that before she does? <laughs> it's a tough one. I love Donnie Darko. Well, I, and that, that, I want to hear what she has to say. Ah, oh, shit. He's holding, he's holding back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you want me to repeat that? Yeah, repeat it. Okay. I, I want to kind of have a little bit more time to calculate. No, it's a lot. It's a lot to process, and it's very emotional. All right, director Benjamin T. Wilson says, Galatea is ultimately a story about loneliness and connection, end quote. And then I said, and then, it said, then he says, and it, and it answers the question, does anyone else even want me around, end quote. And I just I drew in Donnie Darko with you know his life better without me, which is much much. Uh, it's a okay, different that's question. Okay, I think I was like getting tripped up. No, I don't. I Donnie Darko. Um, I don't really understand Donnie Darko. A lot of people <laughs> as, don't. As he figured so out I life was better without him in it, and he was able to cause and affect that. It's very sad. Yeah, actually, I mean. Actually, that does that does have to do with some of. I mean, I can see the comparison to our themes. Very different tones. The movies have very different tones. I agree. But yeah, I, yeah, I guess that is a similar theme, um, in in the sense of belonging. Like, there's this yeah. huge theme of kind of belonging to somewhere and creating your own world and and what you do with the things that you're given. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, uh, I would say. You know, one one of the words that's in the script that that we hear a lot and we discuss is the idea of bittersweetness mm -hmm. about like the loss of something for a new beginning kind of thing. Um, Ooh, that's, you know, that's that's like bittersweet. That. So, yeah. So I you know, when I think about the kind of 
desperate or sad parts about Galatea, like where the movie kind of starts or the characters kind of start um, on their road to finding out where they fit in. Uh, there is a bit of a bittersweetness, I would say. Okay, well, yeah, more dramatic. Um, would you say this is more dramatic than Donnie was more? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's it's definitely a dramedy to its core. Like it's it's very quirky and funny, in my opinion. But but it also does get kind of it, it enters into some sad territory. Okay, Sean, we need your input here. I see you with your earbuds in. <laughs> he had some costume changes. <laughs> is my well, video I, on? Well, yeah, it is. Oh, you're right there. Yeah, I don't see myself. Oh, I, there I am. I'm moving around the household because my wife came home and oh. trying to keep the dogs corralled so they're not making noise while we're recording. We appreciate that. I hear them tap dancing. Yeah, they're so, definitely playing in the background. But so, um, Sean, what do you think? Uh, repeat your question again. I'm sorry. Well, we're, I was drawing a line between Donnie Darko versus this. Does anyone else want you? Does anyone else want me around? Versus is life better without me? And if you were you, you saw what the movie's about, I was just wondering if she was going more love story drama, or uh, you know, because yeah. Do, Donnie Darko is just that. It's very dark. Where this seems like there is a light of hope, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I, honestly, I feel like I need to see the film. I can't wait before I can. Yeah, before I can make a critique like that. Okay, but a premise of robots? Come on, you're not in yet. <laughs> Come on, Mister Alter. Alter. It's, it's not only robots, guys. It's not only robots. It's a robot band, like See, a robot indie rock band. I yes, yeah. That's why I was all over this one. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun, guys. We're going wait. to be premiering uh, in Austin, Texas in March. Let's hope that the world is running again by then. Yes. <laughs> I really hope so. And uh, Is that the by Southwest Festival? It is not. Uh, okay. it, it's going to be Awesome Revolution Film Festival. Uh, it's the it was one of the number it was the number one rated uh, film on filmfreeway.com for years and it is really an amazing festival to go to. This is the the kind of festival you go to when you want to meet other like high-level short film or feature film like filmmakers on the indie scene who will like sit down and have a wine with you or a beer, you know, to chat over the industry Perfect. and the, and the creative process and everything. When I went last year, I talked to so many people by just kind of going up to someone's table, uh, you know, during all of the festivities and just starting a conversation. Like, what do you do? And to hear some of these people's stories, their origin stories, how they got to the films that they were making, it's fascinating because people pour their hearts into this art. You know, a film is a it's a bitch to make, guys. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever made a film before, but like it, it involves so much planning and money and people's time like 12 hour days i i joke but i don't even know if i'm joking that no. i don't know if ben slept during galatea the, the art, <laughs> I got the the art goes that I, out the window I slept every night for the most part yeah the, the art but, goes out the window all of it's, uh, it becomes financial and planning and oh my god you're the marketing director on both right both films yes yeah uh which was harder this to one market. I'm still marketing it right now. I'm marketing it at the same time. So, <laughs> well, before we forget too, I, I just want to get it out there. Um, first of all, put out where we could find you and where we can find all your stuff. Literally, literally, guys. If you 
ever want to see my face again, if you ever want to hear <laughs> about me again, if you want me in your life, all you have to do is Google Jess Paul. I know that sounds like stupid, but like it's the fastest way that you're going to find me. You just literally just type it into your phone. Just don't even open an app. Just start, start typing Jess Paul and like it will eventually come up. Um, I'll, I want to make it really easy for you. But like all of my handles are this is Jess Paul. No periods, no spaces, no underscores. Uh, do whatever capitalization you want. But those are all the handles. I make myself very easy to find because I want to be in your life. I want to be there for the journey. I want us to share. I want us to inspire each other, share ideas. Um, she means this, folks, because Sean yeah. just found out tonight he was one of the victims. He didn't know that that's exactly what you're trying to get from him, his story. And we found out tonight together. I didn't know that either. He say, he mentioned just before he came on, like, yeah, she hit me up, and then we didn't really, because she wants to know. Uh, yeah, I want to know. Like, the thing is with this whole networking thing, and it's exactly what I'm doing, like, like to explain, um, you know, I get a lot of friend requests, as I'm sure a lot of people do. Nah. Uh, from, from strangers. What? No. Did you say no? Yeah. If you're a guy, you pretty much get girls twerking or guys trying to sell you weed. That's about it for me. <laughs> I swear to God, it's true. You're, I can prove that. You're, you're on an island under yourself. That's not true. I don't get it. You got to see that. I, I can't be the only one getting these girls, these horrible women twerking all the time. Yikes. And guys selling what? weed. I don't that, understand why they twerking. Uh, and Ooh. how are they selling weed on Facebook? Are people really trying to sell weed Actually, on Actually, since I got on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, Instagram. I, I hear they're getting busted, but still, too. But that yeah, sounds so weird. It's kind of I, no silly, stupid. <laughs> I know, right? Well, Eddie, hey, uh, let's get the socials out there real quick before we forget. I'm at Fairly Darker on Twitter. I don't like Twitter, but I'm out there. Sean is just out there on Facebook as Sean Felbush. Um, Instagram is kettle.whistle.radio, and we're on, we're new there. And uh, I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah. You, you like it? What do you think? I like it. I don't know. It's, it's been nicer than the other mediums, we'll say. Uh, well, the thing about Instagram that I don't really like is that you you can't outsource your link. Like, you can't link out to the site very easily. Right. Uh, but that's exactly what what Instagram did to design you to stay on the website So or, or the app. So um, I like talking to people on, on Facebook because there's a medium to talk to people. I mean, yeah, you can be in their, their DMs, but it's not... I don't feel like it's as professional as talking on faith, <laughs> even though it doesn't matter. Like I have to remind myself, Jessica, it's this—it's literally in the same device that you're holding. It's not different. It's—it's <laughs> it's all about content, folks. And if yeah, you, if if, yeah. if you think I'm wrong, if you go from beginning to end of this particular podcast and not listen to content, this show is all about a bisexual rat that has a split personality as an AI. <laughs> go for it. Dig in. <laughs> Dig in deep. Well. Dave, you should make that the title of the podcast. Only with your permission. I'll have to think about it. I'm not, I'm not letting you go that easy, though. I have one more question. And I, Sean, I know he does. I'm going to give him time to develop it. He has one more, too. But for you, uh, one more question. How, with Gal Galatea, how are your two roles different from each other? I don't know how I didn't ask you that. Galatea and Kim, or uh, Kim and Myra. <laughs> uh, oh no, no, we'll stay. Keep Myra out. She's in the first okay. again, the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, in Galatea, your two characters, how are they different? So this is 
I, I think I can explain this much. I, I should probably talk to Ben about how much I give away oh, on podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Part two coming up. But, but uh, Galatea is essentially a a mapping of Kim's emotions in the the first uh, half hour or or the first hour of Galatea. You get to watch as Kim experiences with Jesse, like like they're in his lab, literally trying to formulate some of these these emotions with Kim, so that Galatea's computer can read Kim and her emotions that she's feeling. And basically, you're charting that down as an experience. You're charting those synapses. You're mapping them. And, and so over the course of the movie, Galatea kind of develops, like you, you actually watch her kind of formulate as an intelligence, you know, you don't start, she doesn't start from a baby or anything, but she practically is one in the emotional state. She doesn't know what she is yet until finally she kind of develops into something, like I said, that kind of wants to walk around or, you know, wants to experience more of the world. Hmm. So... So, so the thing is, though, Galatea is a different person because Kim is just kind of the the root of what of what Galatea could be, and then Galatea creates her own personality. It's like two people having a baby, but it it and so it takes that DNA, but it turns it into something completely unique. The roots are on fire. Je- uh, where are you, Sean? Help me out here. I see you thinking. I can see steam coming out of your ears. I'm definitely thinking. I, I had a, I had <laughs> at least one question for her that's not you know related to this, but oh, okay. Hey. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I'm curious. Does does the AI try to find its humanity? You know, um, or does it does it have a quest to try to to become human? Or you know, I don't know. Maybe you can't answer that stuff. I think I can. I, I can I can tell a little bit. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, that's basically what the AI is trying to do. Galatea is kind of like as if you'd put a child in a house and never let them go outside. You know, you they develop, they grow, they watch what's on television. Galatea sees what's on the Internet. She's inside of that room if she can, like, see anything, you know. She has a sense. She's just in the same place. So any child who's growing and learning and discovering little by little, they want to get out and they want to experience the world. And that's kind of what Galatea was in essence. Brilliant. I got to say guys in uh, the last 15, 20 shows, even this might be one of my favorites uh, just because in a way it was impromptu, even though Jess, I've been driving you crazy for two weeks um, and vice versa Uh, (laughs) in a good way. And uh, you got to meet Sean, and Jesus Christ, you guys have something in common, and I can't, I, I didn't know all of that, Sean, but okay. That's what this is all about. <laughs> and I appreciate your time, folks. Sean, you got something in closing? Well, I, I actually had one more question. You better um, go. I don't know. Wait, Jess, how much, are you pressed for time? You good? No, we can answer a question. You go, boy. Yeah. As far as far as marketing the films and uh-huh. getting the film out there to, to festivals and things like that, what what is what what's involved with that process like how do you get the opportunity to to get that in front of people or you know what's that process like because i imagine it's very time involved yes 
basically the basically we're figuring it out right now. <laughs> like we're kind of trial and erroring who we talk to, how we talk, like what we kind of take as a deal when it comes to distributing and 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 premiering, like previewing. Like anything is, do we still have a connection? Can you still hear me? Oh yeah, you're good. Yep. Okay. Oh, yep. Okay. yep. You're good. Um. So when we're talking about the festival track, it's one of the ways. Like, I mean, you could you, you could submit it to one of the bigger festivals, but it gets really political there, and sometimes you don't have the in that you need for some of those festivals. Um, but you could also kind of go on the medium. Uh, fest- the medium tier festival track and one thing that we love about these kinds of festivals is that you are interacting with you know real film professionals like we're they're they're indie they're on the indie side but they're making some really high level work and you know these festivals are where that you can show your film around you can eventually sell it to somebody who either is being is like scouting at these movies or you can meet distributors at these events and you can start writing up a deal like as if you want to like at least make your money back on some of these and basically start your career. So our idea is that we're at least, you know, co- when COVID happened, it kind of derailed any kind of plans that anybody really had for anything in the oh, world. Yeah. But for us, that kind of cut a festival tour oh, because, yeah. I mean, at least that's what we're thinking now because we don't, we kind of want to get it out there to you know the internet somewhere where people could actually stream it like sooner than later we didn't want to lose a whole other year so we're going to be premiering it in march at austin revolution film festival so excited you know COVID or not uh we'll be social distancing at a festival in texas um and we're going to show everybody the work that we did i'm very proud of it i i feel like we accomplished so much with the cleverness and uh, like <laughs> I won't speak for my for for me but like everybody on my cast and crew was just so clever so invested so generous with their time and both of my crews really and I love this job because you literally besides me making my fake food Um, like filmmaking is the closest that you get to magic. Like this is magic. This is as close as I get to Harry Potter. Yeah. I'm not surprised that you have made it where you are right now after meeting you. How long ago? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proud. It's awesome. And I can't wait. And honestly, how do we get the, can we get screeners? We'll pay to see the, both these films back to back. We'll do a watch along, whatever it takes. You, I mean, you might be able to see it theatrically. Just uh, keep a look on the social medias, uh, Galatea Feature Film for on Facebook, and then Fang the Movie on Facebook. Thank you so much. And just so you know, I have a new comic book out right now, and I, I got to plug it before I let you guys go. Dr. Peeler. Yes, do. Dr. Peeler, Demon Psychiatrist, issue number one is out there. We want it to be a series. I've got to sell a certain amount of copies. If you and others can help, that's all I ask for because the series is going to be a lot of fun. It's basically, uh, yeah, uh, Sean, because of social distancing, he doesn't have his copy yet. I have all kinds of swag. So if you want to give me your address, like right now over the air, right? I mean, no, after the show, I'll ask you for your address and I'll send you some swag. Um, and yeah. Me or, 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 or Sean? Sean, yeah, he's in here all the time. 
but oh. yeah, so I'll, I'll give you my address if you want my yeah, address. He's not afraid of doing stuff. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I already know where it's going to go. But yeah, Dr. Peeler's Demon Psychiatrist at uh, BurningBulbComics.com. Or yes. Bur- yes, issue number one is out there. If you like your Monty Python with your HP Lovecraft, that's basically what's happening, and they were my Woo! inspirations. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm going to get myself a copy. I I'm going to add myself that. to that list. I appreciate that. Anything helps, as you know. And, guys, uh, folks, friends, and th- fiends, thanks for listening so much. And, Jess Paul, thanks for coming back. In closing, do either of you have anything else to say before we end this lovely episode? Go in peace. Sean? <laughs> I would just say uh, that it was a pleasure to meet you and uh, I look for big things to come from you. So, yeah. You too, Sean. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, Thank next, you. Next time he'll tell you that he plays bass in a band, but we, he doesn't talk about it too much. But we, we're still not talking about it a lot. But we're going to talk about it and insert some more because of the new band coming out that Sean's going to be doing very soon. He just will not talk about it. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks. Good night.
Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that my name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Electric acid.